And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, I'm Jason Neal, one of the co-owners of PW United. I must warn you that the Yellow Block podcast contains some strong language and adult themes. So be warned and enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Yellow Block, a PW United podcast on the TalkSport Fan Network. I'm Tim and I've got a full panel this evening. I am joined by Matthew Kisby. Good evening. I've got Sam Edwards. Evening, lads. And I've also got all the way from Bolton, Mr. Dan Topknot Weldon. Good evening. How are we all doing? Yeah, very well, thanks. Yeah, can, I, can, I tell, can I tell you my story um, when what? I went to the game against Cambridge? Can I tell you? Straight in there. Do you know, I've got this as a, as, a, as a point on the script. But no, by all means, let's, you know, go out with a... I thought this was the light chit-chat. I thought this was the light chit-chat section. So Let's go. You know, light chit-chat it is. We'll play some soft music over this. It can be that, you know. It's you know what? I, I was really looking forward to the local derby. Not had one for 20 years. I've seen many local derbies in my time as a youngster. And so I was looking forward to it. Had my pizza before the game. You know, I can't, I can't publicise who, but, you know, I like a game of dominoes before I go to the football. And um, it... Right, I was looking forward to it. I went nice and early and I was driving there, you know, happily playing my music in my car as you do. And I just got round the corner where the old um, police station was now, where the Premier Inn or whatever it is, is. And it was like driving into Mad Max Fury Road because I had, I had literally, I had six SWAT teams up the Jacksey with their blues and twos going. Uh, London Road was in lockdown at the time. There was thousands of Cambridge fans being thrown out of charters. And the road was literally on fire. Bottles were going over my car. <laughs> I was, I, literally, literally, I'm not joking. And I was like surreptitiously pushing the lock all doors button on my car. And I thought, I'm just going to have to go through it. <laughs> and it was literally, it was a bit of a nightmare. And Link, London Road was, was locked down at this point. And I thought, sod it, I'm not walking another five minutes just because, you know, Cambridge's finest has lost control of the, of the road. So I thought, sorry, I'm going through the thin blue line. I'm not going down Aundel Road for anyone. So I drove, I was weaving through um, Peterborough Police line um, just to go down London Road. And it, I've never seen it like that before in all my life. And it was a disgrace. It really was a disgrace, but it was quite. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, that's a, an interesting story about that time that Kisby, you know, ended up in the. Uh, war zone that is Lincoln Road on 
Derby Day. I've got to be honest, I had higher expectations for that story than you drove to the game. I, I, I kind of anticipated something more more exciting Why? happening. But you've heard my stories before. Why were you expecting anything no, that's, more? Actually, that's a completely valid point, to be fair. Well, as Kisby's mentioned there, since we last recorded, we've played and won twice in the league, including a win over Cambridge, proving that, as we all knew, Cambridge here is blue. We've also played in the Cup. Remember, remember the 5th of November, the day that Posh sent all of their fans to sleep in quite possibly the most boring draw that I've ever seen against Manchester United C team. That's all coming up on the Yellow Block. Let's start with that then. Big talking point. It's the the only real sort of story that we've got from these last two weeks. Accrington, Stanley, no, I'm joking. Peterborough United won. Lloyd Jones, uh, sorry, Cambridge United, uh, nil. So much to dissect with this. Um, I know I mentioned on the last pod that I was uh, not going to this game, but I succumbed to the hype and took my daughter to her first game. And not only that, but I sat inside the uh, yellow block. Where do we start? Let's start with the football side, Sam. Um, it was an okay game. I'll tee that up and let you take over. I think okay is is fair, isn't it? Fair, firstly, I'm going to commend you on on your bravery, really. On on, on being, frozen, so, you know, <laughs> your your loyalty. Firstly, to the pod that you sat in the yellow block, and then your bravery taking your daughter to that end of the stand. <laughs> Um, flares are plenty, plenty of, uh, what do they say? The youth limbs flailing, generally arms gesticulating across enemy lines. So um, it's, it's, I'm, I'm genuinely pleased to see you here, Tim, and not a single bruise or scratch <laughs> on your face. Um, but yeah, the football, yeah, it was okay, wasn't it? It wasn't the best game in the world. It, it, if it was another team, it would, we'd probably be relegating it to, to more mundane, but because of the atmosphere and, and the opposition and everything we've already spoken about. But um, yeah, I, I thought Posh were, were comfortable, really. I know there was that chance, wasn't there, where Taylor gave the ball away and Nibs should have scored. But for big bad Bergstrom, who can just save everything that's, <laughs> that comes his way one-on-one particularly, um, you know, they th- that was their only real chance. I think they had a chance in there early on, maybe, that was headed over. But other than that, yeah, I thought I thought it was comfortable. Not the best game, but who cares? Got the win. It was, it was, that's a really good summary. You took uh, your little people, I believe, was it for their first game as well? It was their first game at London Road. <laughs> Unfortunately, their first ever posh game will forever be um, Sheffield United 6, Peterborough United 2. Oh. Um, so one we won't forget. But yeah, no, took them. They enjoyed it. They Well, I mean, my my youngest was basically just climbing all over my wife for the, for the whole game. But yeah. Um, my daughter, who's my oldest, enjoyed it sitting next to me wearing her posh shirt and chanting borough. So she does that. I just do that around the house now and she finishes it off by going <laughs> borough. So she's she's pretty well trained for a three-year-old. It was uh, it was a fantastic atmosphere. I mean, the game the game didn't really live up to the to what was going on around it, but in some ways that didn't really matter. Um, Kisby, you've already mentioned about the fact that you had to uh, go through the war zone to get to the game. And Sam's mentioned about the, the atmosphere there. It was, I mean... 
in the in all the time that I've been going to watch Posh, that was that was up there. Uh, it was unique. We've had derbies at London Road before, of course we have, but I've never been to anything quite like that. It just felt different. It was a good day, atmosphere wise. Yeah, I think uh, you have to remember we haven't played a proper local derby in in the league against Cambridge for. 20 odd years so a lot of people if you're under probably 30 you've never seen a, a local W like that so it, it's always going to be a little bit special it was as far as I know a sellout um, London Road was sort of full so yeah there was a, a, a good atmosphere um, it was an enjoyable game I thought to be honest with you there wasn't much between the two sides I thought a draw perhaps might have been a fair result. I didn't think we were much better than Cambridge United. I didn't think Cambridge United were very good. I think it was some, again, uh, once again, some bizarre decisions by McCann. Uh, Johnson Clark Harris got injured quite badly early on and he left him on. I couldn't believe that decision when you have Jack Marriott sitting on the bench to leave Clark Harris on the on on the on the pitch when he was clearly not fit to be on the pitch was a bizarre decision for me. And I feel there wasn't much between the two teams. I think we've played poor sides over the last month, very poor sides. And and while we perhaps have edged every single game, some of that, I mean, I think Cambridge were probably the best side we've played in the last month and a half. I honestly do. Um, and they weren't that great Cambridge. Let's not beat around the bush. But if they hadn't scored an own goal, which I know you're particularly pleased about, Tim, because you've been ranting on about um, their player being player of the month and 10,000 people voted for him. Um, but I, if he hadn't scored that own goal, there wouldn't have been, you know, it would have been a draw sort of thing. So we edged it, but no more than that. And I think, I think we've been at best average in the last month against very poor sides, which is why we've beaten those poor sides, because we've, we've not been great, that's for certain. And I think McCann has made bizarre decisions, bizarre decisions over the last month about when to put um, substitutions on. And, and it does not bode well going forward. And I have to, I did listen to the last pod, and normally I don't, because I like to hear the sound of my own voice. And if I'm not on it, I don't like to listen. But... Everyone was upbeat, and I couldn't understand why. I thought I've I've been seeing seeing very average football against piss poor sides. Let's not beat around the bush. And and when we when we play the Sheffields of this world going forward, we will lose to those teams. We're not strong enough. I, I think that's very clear to me. And uh, um, we will beat the poor sides as I've said all season, which we are doing. But we've not been convincing. And I I I. I'm I'm seeing a, a, a maybe sixth or seventh finish in in league at the moment. No more than that. Certainly no more than that. We will beat the poor sides as we've shown, but I think we're going to struggle against the better sides in this league. Just to pull you up, Kisby, on the McCann Johnson Clark Harris thing. Clearly, he did get a, a bad knock, didn't he, early on? Do you think he kept him on for a psychological advantage? Do you think Cambridge were trying to rough Clark Harris up early on and thought that if I bring him off, they're going to think they've won that first battle? And, and and therefore he wanted to leave him on, even if he was limping a bit. Yeah, That's but how if, I read that. If that was what he did, then that was a complete disaster of decision because the man could not run around. I mean, Johnson Clark Harris doesn't run around at the best of times, but he couldn't. He was hobbling. He could not play. He should have been taken. You're not, you're not taking that much away from his game by leaving him on if he can't run. 100, you are, 100%. you are, because he, he honestly, he could not, he could not play, and I, I think to leave him on was the wrong decision. However, you, however, you try and justify it, 
it was the wrong decision. And he, we've got a top quality player that's that's basically rotting away on the bench at the moment. So not to take him off at that point and put in a very good quality replacement, not the same type of player, of course not, but a good quality replacement was bizarre. And that nearly cost us those three points. Is we, 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 as a team, we did not score in that game, which says it all to me. So taking him off, putting on, on, on a, an, an additional player who could run around, whoever it was, I mean, obviously Marriott was the, was the one that would come on, but it, it would have made us a better side, I think. And 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 to leave him in was just the wrong decision. So if you're saying he left it on for psychological reasons, that's just the wrong decision because the bloke could not run around. So I don't say how he could make that decision and stand by it and it be the right decision because it just wasn't. And if it was just that one decision that I have an issue with over the last month or so, it wouldn't be too bad. But time and time and time again, McCann's made poor decisions i think putting you know putting new putting substitutes on 5 minutes from the end what what's that about i'd never understand that because you can't get into the game and it disrupts the team so that's for me that's bizarre and i just think it was a wrong decision in this particular case and and i don't think we were much better than cambridge cambridge had some good opportunities they didn't score them because they're not a particularly great side a better side would have scored against us on that particular day. They, they were probably the better, best side that I've seen this month, I think. They weren't a good side. They were a poor side, and we struggled to beat them. The other teams that we've beaten in the last month have been horrendously poor, horrendously poor, I think. And we've been good enough to beat them because we're not a horrendously poor side, but we're not. I think it's very clear to me we might struggle to finish in the top six now. I'm still hoping for maybe sixth fifth something like that but no more we're not going to be any higher than that in this in this league dan sam watched it from the family stand i watched it from the other block kisby was in london road which exotic foreign location were you vpns to for this one well my internet server said amsterdam but my wife would say very very different because i shouted a lot um no I, i i watched it in my my living room i'm afraid it's a, it's a long journey for me and there were not a lot of tickets, but it was a very enjoyable game. I think we had enough of the game to say we deserved the win. I don't think a draw would have been a fair result based on how well we played. Yes, we have trouble finishing our dinner, but I mean, Jesus Christ, did you see the game yesterday? I mean, it's quite self-explanatory that we can't finish. So, you know, it's it's not a big shock that we only scored one goal and technically we didn't even score it. Thank you, Lloyd. <clears throat> um, but no, we're better now than we were six, seven weeks ago. And I, I'm taking the positives because six, seven weeks ago, I didn't think we'd finish in the top 10. So I'm, I'm happy enough. I think you're right. I, I, I think we did enough to win, only in as much as I don't think Cambridge did enough to earn a draw. They were poor. Um, yes, they had that that chance that Sam alluded to where, where Taylor slipped. But other than that, they didn't really credit. You never felt, I, I certainly never felt uncomfortable. It never felt as though we were going to concede. I wasn't nervous going into those last 10 minutes. Bergstrom did make another top quality save, though, during that game. A real top quality save, I thought. And I think he's getting us out of quite a few situations where perhaps the opposition aren't dominant because over the last month they certainly haven't. We've certainly edged all the games, but there's still been chances for the opposition to score and Bergstrom has pulled off 
more often than not in most games, really top quality saves. Perhaps a lesser keeper wouldn't. And I think that's perhaps just been enough so far to this month to keep us in. I, I, I will iterate that I did think we edged the game against Cambridge. I thought we edged it, but not by a great deal, I have to say. And I think when we play the better sides, when we were losing five games, I wasn't panicking because we were playing better sides and we were playing all right. In the same way that I'm not going to start getting giddy with excitement that we're winning all the time now because we're playing poor sides. I think when we start playing the better sides again, I think it will be harder for us to get the results. That's all I'm saying at the moment. I'm saying we're a good side, which I've said all season. We're not as good as I thought we'd be this season, and we're certainly not an outstanding side. But we are a good side. We are a good side, I think. Go on, Sam. Sorry, were you jumping in there? No, no, no I wasn't. I wasn't going to. I was, I was just. I was just enjoying. Um... Kisby's retraction there that we did edit <laughs> just in case it was creating a mutiny. <laughs> no, I, I, I always said we edged it. First half, I thought we were. You said they, you said they deserved a draw earlier, and then I like how you changed to edged it. And I just, I just, I just thought you were. No, you were no, 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 the, no. Don't, hearing don't listeners mis- just absolutely crucifying us for. <laughs> don't misquote me. I thought if they'd have got a draw, it perhaps wouldn't have been too unfair to be honest with you i didn't think it was much between the teams i did think we edged it i thought we were better side first half second half i think perhaps cambridge may i know we had lots of good opportunities second half but i think that was the point um mason missed sitters i think and I think that's why we're perhaps not a, a brilliantly good side because some of the players that have come in more recently, I think, are still quite young. Mason Clark get, ha, has at times played very, very, very well. He's also at times played poorly, I think, as well. But because against Cambridge, he was poor. I thought I didn't think he was he was anything outstanding. And I I think that's that's the issue for me at the moment. Some good good players, um, some players that are perhaps variable. Um, Ricky J. Jones is like he was. Some people were saying last month or over the last month that he was like his second coming of Jesus Christ, the way he was playing. And I just thought, hang on a minute. At times he's playing well. At times he's playing very averagely. I think so. For me, there there is some players in that team still playing like that. I think sometimes playing all right, sometimes playing pretty averagely. I think, and I think there's like the two that I've just identified have been like that. As I say, we, we, we've we been winning because we've been better recently than the opposition, but only because the opposition are poor. That's that's ultimately my point that I'm making in a very long-winded way. <laughs> which is which is the only way that you make points, Kisby, but we love you for it. Uh, what One perspective that I had from this, so um, I was lucky enough to have a, a catch-up with uh, Jason prior to the game, and I mentioned to him that it was my daughter's um, first game at London Road. So he very, very kindly invited us in uh, and we had a, a wander down to Pitchside before the game and, and went into the um, the tunnel and the changing rooms. This was before the, the fans were in the ground. Massive thank you, of course, as always, to Jason for that. But one takeaway I got from that is the Peterborough players, and this would have been about an hour and a half before kickoff, were incredibly focused. I mean, it was deafening, the noise that they were making from the ridiculously crap music they were listening to but that's just my age but they were so focused even then whereas the Cambridge players by contrast were 
didn't really seem to be kind of in focus. Granted, it was early, uh, but the people you could tell they were up for it. There was an energy you could feel it. You could feel it backstage with the uh, with the club staff as well, with um, uh, with with Jason and the people around him. There was a definite buzz about the place. I'm keen to know though, Dan, having watched it in Amsterdam slash Bolton, uh, did that come across on uh, I follow? Could you could you feel that atmosphere because it was electric? Yeah, you could definitely tell the difference from, you know, your standard games. I mean, you compare it with the midweek game against Accrington and it was night and day, the sound that was coming from the ground. You could hear it in the commentators, you know, they were shouting just to get their words out and you, you could hear it from from every touch of the ball. It's, it's I, I, I don't want to say that it's the best atmosphere you could have at the game but i imagine that it was you know it's it's that kind of electric feel you know you go to a cobbler's game and it's like everyone's a bit buzzing everyone wants to you know, just get that that little one over and cambridge are just that step ahead aren't they so it's yeah I, I i'm very jealous that i wasn't there but you know times are tough yeah and like you said it to be fair it is a long way from from where you are it sam's already alluded to the the flares and um, the clubs have released a, well, a joint statement, really. Uh, neither of them particularly covered themselves in in, in great colour. Um, so I was in the yellow block and, and I was at the sort of the end of that main stand that was was not always particularly savoury. Flares are, you know, just one thing, isn't it? I understand why stewards get, get bothered by them, but that's just how it is. However, there was uh, very early on and pretty persistent through the game uh, chants about the Cambridge United fan um who unfortunately died and it was pretty constant it, it wasn't just a one-off thing it was through most of the game the only thing I would say is the Cambridge United fans didn't respond to it they didn't bite I don't know if they could hear it I don't know if they could make out what was being sung but I, I wonder what was going through the Peter United fans mind that they 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 carried on with that uh because they weren't getting a reaction um, but yet they seemed, I, I just, I can't fathom the mentality behind it. And I, I've got to be honest, I was embarrassed to be sat where I was at certain times when that, that chant was going on. Um, and I, you know, I don't want to put a negative spin on it all, but that atmosphere was fantastic. It didn't need that, which just added a bit of a, a blemish to it. And then, of course, there's the, the Cambridge fans that have, I understand, done quite a bit of damage to um, the uh, the Desco stand as well, ripping out toilets and seats and stuff like that. And I heard, I saw somebody, sorry, on Twitter say, that's what you should expect with derbies, but I, I don't buy that. I don't think you should expect that. I, I don't. I can't ever see any any way of condoning any of that behaviour. Um, other end of the ground, though, Kisby. I'm sure the way that Lincoln Road, the terrace works, obviously it holds the sound in. Um, I couldn't really hear Lincoln Road uh, because uh, it was uh, sorry, London Road, not Lincoln Road. <laughs> sorry, I've had a very long day. I couldn't hear London Road, the terrace. Sorry, uh, because um, because of where I was sat. But I imagine inside there was quite intense. You've sent me some pictures of our Keith from the match reaction team who looked quite uh, <laughs> happy with what was occurring. I tell you what, I did learn one thing. Never, ever go to a local derby with Keith again because <laughs> he was, yeah. One thing I've learned over the over the many years of going to football, you get some idiots who go to football and that's how it is. And you know, for me, I go and watch the football. That's why I go. I don't go to have a fight. I don't go to sing chanting songs. You know, it's but it is what it is at football. And you get the odd idiot, of course you do. And, you know, um, the clubs will probably get fines and all the rest of it, won't it? Because of the the, the trouble that was, was at, at the grounds exactly before the, the game. And, and I've heard after the game as well. Um, but luckily, we have professionals like Jared there to, 
you know sort these people out it, it was it was a good atmosphere in london and now i've heard people say that the atmosphere isn't as good because of the safe standing which is probably true because you can't move around like you used to if you you know you want once you're once you're in that's it you, you stand where you stand sort of thing for the game so it, it certainly was it was a good atmosphere and you always get that when you when you get some away fans because the, the other games we've had this month it, we've had literally 37 away fans if that sometimes and you never get you never get much of an atmosphere. And that was a good thing about the championship because you always know you're going to get quite a few away fans. So there'll be some sort of atmosphere. League One, you know that a lot of the games you're going to get Italy squat in the atmosphere. But it was it was good in London Road, and there was a lot of lot of good singing and a bit of negative singing, as you've already alluded to. Yeah, twelve thousand seven hundred and sixty-six given as the official attendance for this, uh, which was good. That's nice to see at the club. We've not had that for a while, and there's so much around this game that that we can talk about. One thing I do just want to mention because we're very, very quick to mention them were something to go wrong. Uh, Scott Oldham, referee, I thought had an absolute blinder in this game. Wasn't perfect, but certainly by League One standards for a game of this magnitude, I thought he managed this game spectacularly. So I want to give him some props uh, because we would be moaning about him were it to go the other way. So congratulations, Scott. Um, one massive thing that's happened since, and, and Gisby, you touched on this earlier, um, <laughs> is the shithousery that's gone down on Twitter uh, since this game finished, which has absolutely made my week. Um, so for those of you that have been living in the dark or perhaps aren't on Twitter, uh, shortly after the game at the start of this week, Cambridge put out their Player of the Month uh, Twitter poll <laughs> and in it included Lloyd-Jones. Now, Lloyd-Jones was the unfortunate recipient of the uh, scoring the own goal in the derby. Um, and so posh fans cottoned onto this, hijacked the Player of the Month poll um, and basically just in their droves voted uh, for him to win player of the month. What then followed was some mysterious votes in their thousands for another one of the Cambridge United players. Now, by, for context, their previous player of the month uh, vote got like 600-odd votes. This one was at 10,000, um, over 10,000, had a few hours left to run and then just suddenly got deleted by the Cambridge United Twitter admin. Now, Dan, you're the social media guy for us. I mean, this was elite shit housery. This week has been fantastic. Uh, what's your summary of how Cambridge handled this? Uh, don't put the player in. Look, he could have had a blinder. He could have had an absolute amazing month. But when you score an own goal against the most bitter of bitter rivals... You just don't put him in because you expect that to happen. I mean, Jesus Christ, when, when we did player of the match uh, polls, like there's a reason we don't do them when we lose because you expect their fans to come on it. You expect them to give it the big one. And quite frankly, everyone's a bit pissed off, you know? So you just, you just don't give fans that ammunition. And obviously they did it. And obviously Peterborough fans are going to do it. I know I bloody did. Why wouldn't you? You know, you see, you see a player that scored a fantastic goal for you on another team's player of the month poll. Yes, please, sir. I'll have four of them. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was an odd choice that they put him in, but I am reliably informed that he had a uh, that he did have a good month. So that's perhaps why. They but he didn't him. do it then. Right? He didn't know. He I just, had a fantastic game for Peterborough. When he plays for Cambridge, <laughs> it's just the deleting of it. Just let it run, and then decide whether or not you actually award it to him or not. I don't know. No, you don't I did have run. great fun um, on Twitter uh, this weekend creating a fake uh, Lloyd Jones profile 
uh, and thanking the uh, the Cambridge United fans for all of their votes uh, and declaring myself as Lloyd Jones the winner of the player of the month campaign so that was um, do you know what made me laugh the most tim is some people believed you were yeah, <laughs> and we're saying oh isn't that great you know he's got some really good band to go in there well yeah but it's not him is it obviously do you know what it reminded me of you know when they try to name that um ship um they put it on twitter oh, yeah boaty mcboatface isn't it reminded me of. never ask the general public for their views on anything because this is what you get sort of thing um, but yeah, it was it was quite amusing, and I've I've never seen you so happy, Tim. You've really enjoyed it, haven't you? I, do you know what I, I genuinely have this week? I've like many Posh fans, I have the Cambridge fans just seem to have vanished off Twitter. I, I'm living for every second. I mean, it may all you know come back to bite us. Come is it March? We played them or May? I can't remember. It may all come back to bite April. us next year. It's oh April, so the one month in between, of course. Why? <laughs> um, it could all come back to bite us, but it was yeah. Well, do you know what? I'm I'm just you know living for the fact that we had that. Uh, I do also want to just mention Sam Smith, uh, Cambridge United's um, uh, forward. It, I believe he's a striker, Sam Smith. Um, so he was a substitute, uh, and he was warming up down by the uh, the yellow block, uh, and was getting a, quite a lot of grief from the the posh fans. Uh, was taking it in relatively good humour, and then somebody must have said something that triggered him because he uh, turned round to the posh fans and was giving it. Bearing in mind there was lots of children there, including my own, was giving it the old wanker hand gesture and making it quite clear that he was calling us uh, words beginning with C uh, and rhyming with punt, which I thought was. Now I get that he's he's receiving a lot of abuse. I'm not condoning that, but it was all in pretty good spirits and relatively good banter. I don't think it warranted that from a professional footballer. It's just my take on that. I think that Sam was kind of out of order for that. I don't know. Um, I'm guessing Sam, from where you are in the family stand, you had quite a um, quite a good view of all of this going on in front of you. You've got the the main stand opposite. You've got the Cambridge fans to your right. Uh, London Road, not Lincoln Road, to your left. It, you must have just had a, a prime view of all this shithousery going on and the back and forth. Yeah, to be honest, I didn't see any of that. That was obviously right at the other corner of the ground. And it's it's a difficult one for footballers, isn't it? Because they're expected to, to take it and soak it all up and then they do get criticised if they give it back. But, you know, you, you're in that situation week in, week out. You you don't you don't need to retaliate and and if you do like you know that's exactly what the fans want you to do anyway just block it out so I, I didn't know that happened but um yeah that that maybe there's a, a bit of a mental fragility there in preparing for a derby when you're warming up you're going to you're going to get a lot of stick from the opposition fans as you warm up but um yeah to be honest away from the game it was just trying to explain the names of posh's 52 mascots to my kids <laughs> the same problem Absolutely who's fascinating. that's a that's a bob the builder who that well i don't know who that is that's a new one i've not seen that there's so many isn't there yeah and we used to have mattress man as well i don't know where mattress man's gone to these days but, i know where um, mattress man is he got dumped in a lay-by by the side of the a15 just outside oh, fly tippers they even yeah. mattress man to come to fly tipping it's great, right? Letter, strongly worded letter to the council. But Peter Burrow was there as we walked out, and I have to say, he does do a, a tremendous job. Um, was still there a long time after the final whistle. But yeah, I just thought it was a great day. And you know, walking back through town afterwards, there was a bit. We were quite late out of the ground, and and you could you could see the 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 posh 
fans, the posh, what do we call them, fern, uh, waiting near where Old Woolworths used to be. I don't know what's there anymore. I just refer to it as Old Woolworths on Bridge Street. And the Cambridge fans were clearly coming and they were trying to, the police were trying to get them round to Asda to the to the railway station. And then there were, you know, there were a few Cambridge fans knocking about Queensgate, a couple on their own, which I thought was a bit brave. Um, but then again, you know, it's, it, it's hardly like it's, I don't know, that the Belgrade derby or, you know, the old firm or something like that. So yeah, all in all, from my experiences, it's pretty well spirited, good, good game. Um, And just, yeah, enjoyable to have the derby back. Yeah, absolutely. And all in all, apart from those few unsavory incidents, I think it was, um, it was certainly a day to remember. That's for sure. Uh, We have. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Played a couple of other games that we should probably talk about. Uh, we beat Accrington 3-1 on the Tuesday prior to um, the derby. You're shaking your head, Dan. Uh, there's not a great deal to talk about, is there, let's be honest, outside of the derby. But we do need to touch on that. Good win against Accrington. Uh, again, perhaps, you know, as, as Kisby keeps saying, unspectacular, but got the job done. Yeah, it's, it was the season in a nutshell in in a game in the middle of October. It was it was crap, but we got the job done. <laughs> I don't know what you want from me there, but Mason Clark had a good game. Uh, to be fair, he, he, he did well. He got a goal, got an assist. He, you, know, you can't complain with with a good performance from someone who's likely to come on the off the bench rather than start most games. You know, you compare him with the other stuff we've got on the bench, like Joel Randall. You know. Uh, is is the only word I can sum up with uh, with Joe Randall. Um, <laughs> and then you, you look at the game yesterday. I know it's the first round of the cup. I know nobody's really asked about it. And if I'm being perfectly honest, I quite like the fact we've got a replay because it means they come to where I live and I can go really cheap. But in terms of the football, it was bloody horrendous. And uh, it, it just makes me really anxious about the next game because if we continue to play at that you know we can't finish a dog's dinner let alone our own it's just it's piss poor well i don't know where that saying comes from i i could quite easily finish my own dinner but probably not my dog's dinner i don't i'm not quite sure where that that saying's come from is that a northern thing Uh, i don't know might be (laughs) i don't know it's a weird weird saying but i like it uh you're right with the cup uh it was I mentioned it at the start, it was possibly the most boring game I've seen for a long time. It was always going to be anti-climax following the week prior, but it was dull, Sam, wasn't it? It was, I mean, it was like pulling teeth, that cup game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I listened to a lot of it on the radio 
um that's the benefit of the fa cup as well that you uh you know you can get it get it free on the bbc sport website wherever you live um but it was it was it was a tough listen it was a tough listen i'm glad i wasn't doing the commentary because it would have been hard hard work <laughs> um so so yeah it, it, i do quite like fa cup i like i normally do i do normally do the first and second round games they are enjoyable and um but I'm glad I wasn't either watching or commentating on on Saturday because it it sounded very very painful indeed and um it's you know if you get a replay and then you lose it's about the worst combination that you want at this stage isn't it so um you know if we go through then great you get the money you get the chance of the second round you know whoever we might face and then you know it's always about the third round isn't it and um and those hopes of a bigger t- tie but if you yeah if you get a replay and then you have to go away on a tuesday and, and end up losing it's 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 sort of the worst route possible to be honest yeah did you go kisby yesterday i didn't know because i'd have had to have paid you know how i oh, feel of course yes money. um i did listen to a little bit I, I wasn't even bothered enough to listen on the radio really i mean i listened a little bit we didn't seem particularly good i think we missed jch and i think he's a major major player in our team um he has his faults of course that we all know about but i think when he's not in the team we do suffer just going back to Atkins and Stanley game, even when we went 1-0 down against them, there was only one winner in that game because they were horrendously poor as a team, like horrendously. They could have gone 100 goals up and we'd have still beaten them because they were not a good side. And I think a lot of the teams we've played in the last month, as I keep saying, have been like that, just not good sides and we've been better than them. Um, the FA Cup, I care less than nothing about these days, to be honest with you. It... It's one of those things that even the you know even if you play a big club they don't play any of their big players today. I mean Man City to be fair when we played them they did so it was a good day out that sort of thing. But at this level um, against teams like Salford I I'm not interested at all. If we'd have gone out I wouldn't have cared less to be honest with you. In fact it would have been a good thing. Um, slightly worried that we struggled to be a team that's a decent-ish League Two side. I think that sort of perhaps sums up the season so far for me um we're not massively dominant when i thought we would be better than we what we have been this season i have to say um but we'll probably beat them if we play them again so you know which is okay it never hurts to win doesn't it and it never hurts to go through a few uh, rounds of the fa cup and perhaps get a, a, a big club again for you know financial reasons so yeah i don't you know not bothered either way not first either way really I think the only saving grace is that our calendar in November is relatively quiet uh, by normal standards. So having a replay, as much as it's a, a pain, it's not the end of the world. It's not like it's come in the middle of January where we're stacking games up and playing twice a week. So that, that, that's probably the only saving grace I can think of. But uh, it does highlight really that, that, that the Derby Day win, there are issues, as Kisby's alluded to. There are problems with with finishing in this team. Uh, which I think are are fair and valid. Um, we, as we stand, we are currently still fourth uh, in the table. Uh, based on form, we're in good form, but it doesn't feel... To, I know we mentioned this last time, Sam, it doesn't feel like we're in good form, does it? It doesn't feel like we should be fourth. It was just it was flashbacks to a fortnight ago when you said posh of fourth. We don't feel like we're in good form, but we are. But no, it has been, you know, since we last recorded, it has it has been a good couple of weeks, hasn't it? We had the win... No, we recorded just after the win against Oxford, didn't we? And then we had the win against Accrington and Cambridge. And I think that week, the Tuesday, Saturday, it was only Plymouth that were the other team 
that, that possibly won both games. They're on the Monday night, weren't they? Um, and if you include the Oxford games, those past three matches, I think Plymouth have won them all. Um, Ipswich drew, didn't they? That four-four against Charlton. Um, so we so we've got a couple of points back on Ipswich, but we've not moved any closer to Plymouth. The gap's still ten points. What's what has happened that's been good in the past couple of weeks with those wins is that when we were last recording two weeks ago, there were a few teams like four or five, I think, beneath us who had games in hand, and if they won um, or picked up a good number of points, they'd go above us. And so we were sitting fourth, but it it, it was better than it maybe looked with with games in hand. Um, and there was They've a possibility got games in hand, though, haven't they? Portsmouth, yes, a but games they can't catch hand. us now. I don't think they can catch us. I think Portsmouth have got a game in hand, or they've got have they got two games in hand and they're well, Portsmouth got two behind. games in hand and the four points behind us. And some of the other Dar- ones now can't catch us. Bolton, I don't think, yeah. can catch us either. And all of those teams could before. So Portsmouth still can, but the others can't. So we'd still be fifth, whereas we were looking at potentially being seventh or eighth. Think, and we I did say that is, having the points is better, the is, but at least we've done that and we've, yeah. we've we've put a bit of distance on them, if not catching up Plymouth. I think I think we've we've out of the, t- the teams in the sort of top ten, we've probably done the best out of all of them. But we've played probably the weaker sides. So, I mean, I'm being a little bit harsh, perhaps, because you can only beat what's put in front of you. And I'm being harsh because I'm saying, well, we haven't particularly we've dominated. We've played everyone but Ipswich, haven't we? In like the top seven, we haven't played Barnsley. No, no, we haven't. Apart from Wednesday, they've all been away against those big teams as well. And that's my point. My point is we're a good side and we will beat the poorer sides and the the, the harder, tougher teams at the top are going to be harder games and not going to be much between the two sides at all. You know, that's my point. And and that's that's the worry for me. And that's why I think perhaps we, we're certainly not in the top two, are we? We're not a, a team that's going to finish in the top two. I said that months yeah. ago um, and nothing's changed my mind of that. Um, are we going to finish in the top four? I would I would now be surprised if we do. Perhaps it's, we might, but it's, it's I'm looking around sixth for me. There's a big difference between finishing sixth and seventh in this league, isn't there? The big yeah, difference. it's probably a, a good sign. I, I suspect we'll look back at this period and think that we we did well because uh, just going on what you were saying there, Sam. Of course, Plymouth drew against Bristol Rovers in within their last three, so we're actually the most informed side based over the last three games. I think we'll look back at this period. And we'll think, do you know what? We've got a lot of points there, even though we weren't playing that well. Uh, and I think it could actually serve us quite well at, at the end of the season. Uh, just quickly, Dan, while, while we're looking ahead, of course, we, we're now into November, incredibly. I don't know where this year's gone. It feels like yesterday it was 40 degrees. Um, it's not going to be that long before we start talking transfers. Uh, you mentioned Joel Randall. Couldn't make it into the, t- the Cup squad yesterday. Pretty confident he'll go in January now. I, I can't see a place for him in this team. Who do you think we need to bring in or what position would you focus on? Would it be attack if we can't finish the dog's dinner? So that's a difficult question because you, you've got to ask realistically how much money is going to be put in. And I can't imagine it's going to be a lot unless we sell somebody major. You know, I know we paid a lot for Joel Randall, but we're not going to get a lot for him because there's not a lot there in terms of ability. So unless we sell one of the big boys, you would probably hazard a guess that there's not going to be a lot of investment. So if we had to pick one position, I would probably go for defence more than attack. I think creatively, we've, we've got a lot there in terms of, you know, Ward when he's fit, Poku when he's fit, Marriott when he's fit. 
Clark Harris when he's fit. It's weird that nobody's fit, are they? Um, When they are all actually fit, though, we've got a very good attack, especially for League One standards. It's just, you know, you look at the defence recently, the last sort of, well, maybe not the last couple of games, but certainly, you know, the weeks prior, you know, we had all of the defence present and we were conceding a lot of goals and a lot of pathetic goals at that. So I would probably want a little bit more back there. But, you know, you don't know what to strengthen, do you? Because your centre-backs, you've got three of the very best in the league. You know, certainly top 10 in terms of Kent and and Edwards and and Thompson. While he's not had a great year this year, he's actually a very good defender on his day. You know, Butler's back in the squad now and he looks good at right uh, left-back, sorry. You know, Thompson can play right-back and probably that is his better position these days. So, I, I, I don't know where this team goes from here. I really don't. Because everybody in the team, you would think, has pretty much guaranteed their space. So, you know, it's just, it's just, I guess, McCann getting a tune out of the right players. And we're yet to see that properly, I think. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. While we're uh, wrapping up with uh, looking back at October, check this out. These were the results uh, in October. So we started off by beating MK Dons 3-2, then drew against Burton, then smashed Forest Green 4-1, lost 3-1 to Wickham, beat Oxford 2-1, beat Accrington 3-1, beat Cambridge 1-0. When you put it like that, that's a pretty decent month, which does mean as well it's also time to do the Ivan Tony Player of the Month Award. Uh, I know who I'm nominating. Uh, Sam, who would you nominate as your October Player of the Month? Can I extend it to managers and say Mark Bonner for his incendiary comments before the <laughs> Cambridge game? Which... Yeah, he gave the team talk for us, didn't yeah. he? And then failed to beat Curzon Ashton today, I would just like to add out. But uh, yeah, player, <laughs> player um... of the Month. No, you can't give it to Mark Bonner. No, okay. So this is purely on one moment alone, but I'm going to give it to Jando Fuchs for his overhead kick clearance against Cambridge and no other reason. Kisby. Um, purely because he seems to come up with some fantastic saves on a regular basis. I'm going to have to go with Bergstrom. I really am. I don't think anyone's particularly stood out for me um, more than him. I, he, a lot of the time, he hasn't had a lot to do in the games as well. So he's been made top top quality saves when he's literally had very little to do and i think that's even harder for a keeper to do because concentration goes a little bit doesn't it so yeah bergstrom for me fair enough dan can i give it to lloyd jones well that was my nomination <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought it would be. If, if we do that then we'll be giving it to them which i don't think would be right i mean you can do no. but i'll then have to pick an actual player well i mean it is named after a player that hasn't played for us for three years so actually it would fit quite nicely wouldn't it it would, but, but yeah, go on. Who? No. <laughs> I forgot about him actually. Uh, yeah, go on. Who? Uh, I'm I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go left field a little bit. I think I'm gonna go with Harrison Burrows. Quite Surely literally, quite literally left field. Uh, although, <laughs> well, um, no, not anymore. We've seen him in more of a number ten recently, haven't we? And yeah. uh, I wanted to chat to you lads about this because he looks all right, doesn't he? he in looks that naughty. I think. Anytime you put a, a player that's not naturally a midfielder in the centre of midfield and then he keeps out the starters, you, there has to be a conversation. And yeah. we've known Harrison Burrows is a fantastic player for a very long time and now he is absolutely shining. He looks unreal in midfield. He does. The only thing with him being there in that number 10 role is do we miss out on his ability to put the ball in the box from the wide positions? I don't think we do. I think we're seeing more of it. Okay, fair enough. No, I, I think it's a, a good shout. I think he has real potential. Uh, Sam, do you think that we uh, don't appreciate H enough as posh fans? 
I th- no, I think I think in fairness we do. I think I think I think posh fans do appreciate Harrison Burrows. I mean, he, he's been billed as number ten for a long time, hasn't he? By 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 people in the back back offices um, coming through the academy and everything. So yeah, I mean, I have to say I was a bit disappointed with him at times in the Cambridge game. Um, gave the ball away a, a few too many times um, for someone as good as him. But I mean, I just yeah, his. His his crosses are just a, a joy to watch. I can't remember what what game it was now. What what goal where he put the ball in for Clark Harris, um, and it was just an absolute peach of a delivery. So yeah, God, no, been I many think, of I them think, over the few years. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, yeah that's Clark it. Harris. I, I think no, I think um, I think he does. I think he does. He is appreciated. Yeah. Fair enough. And as our resident stat man, I understand. I have to say that correctly. I understand that you've got a, a decent one for us. Well, I just thought. You know, there, there, there are definitely reasons to be concerned and reasons to, as, as Kisby said, not to get too giddy at the moment, despite the, the position. But I just thought one one stat stood out um, looking ahead of this and which team in the league, and there is a negative with this that I'm sure will be obvious, but which team in the league has led for the most minutes in games this season in League One? Well, we can probably guess based on the bill in there, Sam, that it's it's obviously Sheffield Wednesday. No, it's <laughs> I'm going to say Posh. It, it is, and it's only Sheffield Wednesday and Ipswich have trailed for fewer minutes than Posh as well. So Posh have Posh have been ahead in games for for a bigger percentage of matches than any other team in League One. Now I know the as I said, the immediate drawback is great. We throw games away then, um, but you know if we're talking about where we are now, we're fourth. We're not saying that we're we're jumping for joy. You know, clearly we are getting into good winning positions in games, and we are we are leading them. So, um, yeah, I just thought it was interesting. You you think Plymouth and the way they're just running right at the moment, but actually, Posher, you know, building themselves some good foundations in matches. It's just a shame too many times away from home they've not converted, and that would be the difference between being right on Plymouth's heels and and where we are. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's. Uh... I think that's that's fair enough. So it is an interesting stat, and because to be fair, you, you have kind of sort of banged this drum all season. Is there are issues there that, that need addressing, but it it's often falls back to uh, to the manager um, decisions that he's making. It seems. You think that's fair? Do you know what? If I was to vote for someone who I thought was the worst part of our team this season, I would vote for McCann. I think some of his decisions have not been good and have led us to perhaps struggle more than we should be struggling. Just going back to Burroughs, because you never asked my opinion, Tim. Um, at the start of the season, <laughs> he was the worst player in a posh shirt by, by a long way. He was that bad. Um, he's a lot better now. Uh, but uh, was it you, Danny, said, or Sam, I can't remember, he said it wasn't great against Cambridge. And I, I agree, he's... He's had one or two iffy games, but then I think all the players have won, had one or two games where they've not shone particularly, but he's certainly a lot better now playing in that position. There's no two ways about that. He's he's playing in the right position now. And again, that was down to McCann, wasn't it? And I think when you start looking at some of the decisions that McCann has made, let me, let me say where I stand on McCann. I think McCann's a legend for, for Peterborough United. I think he was the second best player I've ever seen in my life. I think he's an ab... Absolute legend. But this season, being our manager, I don't think... I think he's made some errors. Um, And I think over the season, those errors will cost us, I think. Um, So so perhaps 
if I was to vote for my worst player of this or worst person of the season, I would say McCann. I'm not I'm not convinced by him totally at this point. Sorry, I forgot what the question was, Tim. I've been waffling. No, it, was, it was about McCann. It was about right, okay. whether or not. Yeah. Because I, I, I agree with you, particularly in-game decisions. Yeah. He seems to be. I wonder if there's yeah. a link between that and, and what Sam was just saying there about throwing winning positions away. I, t- I tell you what, Sam, someone who stands next to me, a friend, and we were talking about why he wasn't taking JCH off um, when he was clearly injured against Cambridge. And my mate said, is it because McCann is frightened of JCH? And I thought, well, that's a bit of a strange thing to say. But when you think about it, why is he making some of these decisions? Is it a case of he's not got the confidence to make these decisions to JCH is, is the captain and he's obviously going to carry some weight with that. It, it, has he got the the um, weight to make these decisions and the strength of character to make these decisions, do you think, McCann? You're asking sorry, me that. Oh, well, I'm asking all three of you, but oh, yeah, you in particular. That, that, Dan's got a ready-made answer by the sounds of it. Well, I was just going to say that I don't think anybody on this podcast after last year has any right to say anything about Johnson Clark Harris's weight or the weight that he carries because we spent the entire season calling him fat. But no, in, in terms of y- y- your question, I, I, I guess... You've, there's an element of that. I don't think necessarily you can say that McCann's scared because to be scared of your own players is is pathetic and he's, he's definitely not. Well, he might be, but I don't think he is. Um, but... <laughs> well, he might be. No, but I think, I think it is just the element of him being captain. You know, you take off your captain for whatever reason and there is also, there was always going to be that element of Oh, fucking hell, you took the captain off. Oh, shit. And everyone's going to be asking questions. Everyone's going to be saying why. Regardless of that, whether there's an injury or not, it's going, to have, it's going to have an effect on the players. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing for him to keep him on for the majority of the game. And yes, he didn't have the world's best game against Cambridge, but he did enough, right? He won those balls. He gave us the threat. He gave us the hold-up play that we would need against a, t- a team like that. And if you take him off, regardless of whether he's the captain or not, if you take Clark Harris off, we've got nothing in terms of hold-up play. Absolutely nothing. He's the only player in the team that does that. So we're going to be relying on long balls and route one football and trying to get some absolutely ridiculous lofted ball into Marriott and hope that he latches on and scores it. Go on, Sam. Sorry, did you ask something? Oh, fair enough. I thought you was uh, you, you sort of uh, delegated it over to Dan to to answer for the Dan, team. Dan, Dan did a great like. job. Sorry, <laughs> no, no, it was a good, it was a, it was a good solid answer. I do think McCann has some of the decisions though have not been great from him. That's just a right. But let me ask you this question: You can complain all you want about McCann's, you know, decisions or whatever. Would you rather have Fergie back? Well, are they the two options? <laughs> the only two options we have. I mean, let's be honest. Them, yes, it is. They are the only two options at our club. One, yes, one, one of the criticisms of Fergie is he didn't have a plan B. Now, I think this season McCann has had a plan A, certainly, and that's it. He's certainly not had a plan B. He's been less plan B than Fergie ever was, I think. And well, I think then... Fergie's been, towards the end of his career with the Bosch, I think he did often have a plan B and would put it in he would implement it I think McCann has has religiously played 
in in one style. He will not play Marriott. And the reason he won't play Marriott is because he argues he doesn't fit into the system they're playing. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. But I would argue, well, you need to change your system occasionally against certain teams. So therefore, to have a player, a striker that is sitting on the bench, if we get a, 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 an issue with JCH, right, and then we'll suddenly start to say, right, Marriott, we need him. Hang on a minute. He's sat on the on the bench for half a season. That's not going to do him any good. So, you know, you've got to utilise your players. No other team in this league would have Marriott sitting on the bench like we've had him and just literally putting him on for five minutes at the end of the game. What use is that? That is no use to anyone, I would argue. It's no use to the team, no use to the player. So for me, that that's an issue because McCann has chosen to do it that way. No one's forcing him to. He's chosen to do it that way. And I think that is wrong. And I think over the season, that will be proved to be wrong. And and it will make, it, 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 it will make him a worse player, Marriott, because he's, he's like all strikers, you need confidence, don't you? You need, you need game time, not just five minutes here and then. So for me, McCann is choosing not to play him. Right. And that is wrong in, in my in my view. And his argument is, well, he doesn't fit into the system. Well, my argument would be change that system occasionally, play a different way sometimes and get him into the side on a more regular basis. And that's that's what I think. We know, we know, don't we, McCann's plan A is 4-3-3. That's what he always wanted to play at the start of the season. And and he was he was doing it with the wrong players because we had Joe Ward, who's a self-confessed on social media, not a right-back, and Harrison Burrows, who is definitely not a left-back. And I'm thinking of that, um, that short video of Barry from EastEnders singing, I'm going to do it anyway, when every posh fan was thinking, don't play Harrison Burrows at left-back. And, and he still was because he was wanting that 4-3-3, which is therefore, plan A. Therefore, okay. I'm saying what I'm saying about McCann, i.e. he's made mistakes. That but he, then he went, yeah, and then, he, and then the plan A is that back three that he went to, and went to the 3-4-1-2, and Marriott did get in the team alongside Clark Harris. And then now we've had Butler back and Thompson, you know, in, in more form at right back gone back to that 4-3-3 um, and, and you're right Kisby that's obviously why Marriott can't get in the team because the 4-3-3 is the preferred formation and that would mean sticking Marriott out wide I also think the way he play he sets us up defensively makes us weak in defence. I do agree with what Dan was saying, that it, the midfield and the strikers are actually good in our team. It's the defence. Now, you could argue, I would argue that it's a little bit of the players not being good enough in defence for me, but it's certainly the strategy that we play. is It, it doesn't bring out the best in our players. And, and Game after game after game after game, I'm sitting watching teams that aren't very good get so much space against us that the reason they're not scoring more goals against is because they're fucking awful, their strikers, the opposition strikers. So they're missing the chances. It's not because our defence is stopping them. And I'm seeing that time after time after time, game after game after game. And that worries me that when we play the better sides, they won't miss the opportunities that we're giving and they will get opportunities and they will score against us. And all of a sudden, when we're be beating teams comfortably because they're giving us plenty of chances and we concede the odd goal against them, but it's not good enough, you know, uh, they're not being good enough to beat us, it'll be the other way around because the opposition will score a lot of goals because they're better sides. And that, and that has to be down to McCann and his tactics for me and I, I I certainly think over the season I think we'll, we'll see this ball now I think and we won't finish in the top four I don't think now 
Controversial. Let us know if you agree with Kisby or not on social media. We've got carried away of ourselves slightly talking about, well, mainly the Cambridge game, but certainly the, the last month. So very quickly, just looking ahead to the next two weeks, the World Cup starts in that time. Who knew? Um, apparently that starts a week, two weeks today. Uh, that's very quiet. Um, odds, I can't get my head around this at all. In terms of posh, though, uh, we play uh, three away games. We are away at Exeter, away at Bristol Rovers, and away at Manchester United C team. So if we focus on the league games, because we've already talked about Salford, 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 we've already talked about Salford, um, Exeter and Brizzle away, both mid-table teams, both mid-table form, both games that we probably would want to win at home. But away from home, how many points do we want from these two league games, Sam Edwards? At least four. Is it a disaster if it's less than four? For our chances of top two, it's possibly terminal. For our chances of top six, yes. Okay. Big pressure then. Fair enough, Kisby? Um, We've had a good run recently. Uh, We've we've won a lot of games. So uh, we possibly won't win both these. I would say if we got two draws, that wouldn't be horrendous away um, against two mid-table teams. You would like to get four points, I think. Obviously, six is the ideal, but I think four would be good. Two would not be disastrous. Two losses, though, which I can't see happening, to be honest with you, um, but it might happen. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, what do I think we'll get? Uh, I'm going to go with two draws. Two draws. Do you know what? Two draws is not a bad shout. It's not a bad shout. And that's probably indicative of where we're at. We're fourth. We're the most informed team in the table. Why are we predicting two draws? But that's kind of how it feels at the minute. Uh, Dan, Exeter and Brizzle. In terms of away form, it's time to nut up or shut up. We have to get six points. We will get six points. Love it. Uh, and then very quickly then, the cup game will probably be dependent on the draw tomorrow evening in terms of whether or not we have any interest in this at all. Let's say that we draw Kings Lynn if we beat Salford. Sam, do you want to win that game? I actually think we'll probably draw Curzon Ashton. Actually, just Curzon Ashton. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, King, Kings, Lynn would be, Kings Lynn would be a great one, wouldn't it? Um, but yeah, when it gets to second... First round, you just don't want to get knocked out, especially when you're at home to a team ranked below you. Second round, it's all about just getting into the third round. Um, that's all it is for me. Second round's probably the least glamorous of the ones, the ones yeah. for me. Um, but yeah, just 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 get through it. I think um I think we're all on different pages, really, but I do quite like the FA Cup. I'm always I'm always pleased to do well, um, mainly because I think back to losing to Chorley a couple of years ago and how long it took me to go over that. Yeah, we've had some good away games at, at Villa and West Brom several times, haven't we, over the last few years? So, Kisby, uh, I know you don't really care too much about the cup. Uh, do you think I'll we'll be what, though, It's got it's got banana skin written all over it because Salford's are not a horrendous team, are they? In League Two, it does, but I would argue I would argue banana skin is not the right term because I don't think many people in the footballing world would be that um, surprised. I mean, you have to look what happened with Plymouth yesterday with Grimsby got absolutely mm-hmm. annihilated yeah. in North Lincolnshire. So I don't think if if Salford beat Posh, unless it was like eight 0 or something, if if Salford beat Posh, I honestly don't think anyone would raise an eyebrow, including the Posh fans. I mean, we're still we're still a league above them, aren't we? You can't deny that. And I think it's always a banana skin if you, le- you lose to a team 
beneath you in the league. So um, I, I think it's banana skin from that point. Um, like I say, they're not a bad League Two side. Um, so and they'll be up for it as well at their place. So it might be tricky. It might be a tricky one that, and it wouldn't totally shock me if it at least you know we lost it by one goal or something like that. It wouldn't shock yeah. me. I think we'll beat them though. I have to say. I know for I know one thing. I, I'd much rather be playing Salford than a non-league team because that's just lose-lose for a, a League One team. I think if you're playing a non-league side, uh, Dan, uh, you'll be going to this one. I understand. So I'm guessing you want to uh, win. Just quickly, Dan, I thought about you uh, this weekend. We're being bumfire oh. night, obviously, because it was like with the sort of noise that fireworks make as they're shooting up into the sky. It's similar to you making a point, isn't it? Are you done? Yeah, that was it. So you, we're going to beat Salford. Thanks, Grandad. Um, yeah, yeah, I'd like to think so. Good. And just remind me, Dan, who did you pick for Player of the Month? Um, Harrison Burroughs. Uh, so we've hit a bit of a stalemate there, didn't we? Sam, who did you say? Fuchs. Fuchs. So we've got Fuchs, Bergstrom and Burroughs, which means I'm in the unenviable position of having to actually pick uh, out of them three. Um I've got to agree with Kisby. I think I would have to say Bergstrom uh, just because Burroughs has been sensational at number 10. Uh, Fuchs is just, I can't, you can't not help but love the guy, especially after the Cambridge interview. Uh, but Bergstrom has just come up with some literally elite level saves. Like you wouldn't look at a place in the World Cup that starts in two weeks' time. Uh, I'm thinking of the double save against Accrington, I want to yeah, say. Yeah, and then we went and scored, didn't we? Straight yeah. after. So he won yeah. us four points in. in, in those five days or whatever so yeah and i took the piss out of his finger on twitter because there was a picture of his hand and his finger is in about his middle finger goes in about eight different directions i took the mick and then somebody told me that it's because it's been broken several times so now i feel a bit bad um so for that reason lucas bergstrom you are the winner of uh, the ivan tony player of the month award uh congratulations wait Um, for that reason because he's got a gammy finger because he's got a gammy finger yeah i I feel sorry for him are we still allowed to call it the Ivan Tony Player of the Month award with with today's investigation? Well, I saw news. something. What what is the news? I, I heard something about him, but I don't know what. what well, I mean, it is the Daily Mail, so I'll I'll, I'll throw that in as the first comment. Um, the second comment is that apparently an investigation's been going on for seven months that he had a bet when he was a lower league player, not on a team he played for, but um, yeah, apparently the FA are investigating him. Well, that's convenient um, timing just before uh, Gareth Southgate. Named and it's been going on for seven part. months. So why has it just come to light now? But he's put a statement on uh, Twitter. Ivan has, but um, just thought I'd flag that in case we, we need to call it the Exodus gear Hagen player. Oh, of let's call it that one instead. Month much, just for yeah, one month only. The big X player of the month award. The, um, it's very convenient, though, because Southgate, as we know, isn't a fan of Ivan Tony, so that almost like gives him the perfect excuse not to select him. Hmm. Obviously, we, you know, we can't buy into conspiracy theories. Uh, any wonder, other business? I wonder what lads? Callum Wilson's thinking. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's several, isn't there, that could make that. But uh, any other business, lads, before we wrap up? No, don't think so. Nope. Up the posh. Just, just not that excited for the World Cup, really. I'm not much. Oh, change, you but... boring bastard! Why not? <laughs> Be a bit patriotic. As in, as in, I will probably get enthused when it starts. But considering we are two weeks out, compared to how I would normally like be it, two weeks it? out, I am, no. I am lukewarm at absolute best. Yeah, I agree. It's, yeah, funny, 
It's when when I was younger, I would never miss an England game. Absolutely England mad. And I'm like you, I'm, I'm not that bothered at the moment. I mean, I watch all the England games, obviously, and I'll probably watch yeah. a lot of the other games as well. But at this moment in time, I'm just not that pumped. I, th- I think we will struggle. I think that's probably why we're a little bit lukewarm. I think we might struggle a little bit. If we start doing well, then obviously we'll all jump on the bandwagon, won't we? Two two weeks tomorrow, we play Iran at 1pm. I've only just known this. I'm like looking at my diary now, trying to sort of make space. Um, because I, I get a big lunch break for that. I'm very excited. Oh, very good. That's nice. Um, I'll be sat outside A&E somewhere trying to hand over a patient so I can watch it on my phone. But it's, um, yeah, it... Like normally two weeks prior. The Daily Mail will be on for you now, Tim. The who, sorry? I said the Daily Mail will be on for you now. I'm sure there's more that they could get on me than than sitting in an ambulance um, on the phone while I'm waiting to hand over. But um, yeah, it's no, it's you know, normally we've got like friendlies and stuff, haven't we, in the weeks leading up? So, like, are they happening? I don't know. Are they? There'll surely be one or two behind closed doors or something that we won't know about. This must be the like the last week of Premier League action. And surely they won't play next weekend as yeah, well. Yeah, the break the break is after this weekend. So they've right. got I think because it starts on something like the the is, is it the Saturday or does it's, it actually start Sunday, on Sunday? Sunday? Yeah, two weeks okay. today. So yeah, we we'll have like four or five days. I think they've got a midweek game game though. I, I think there's Carabao Cup games the, the in midweek before yeah. we start. Crazy. Yeah. There's Premier we've League got... next weekend. Is, is that the last round of games? Is there not midweek after that? I thought there was. So that's the week there's, before. There's, there's an EFL. There's EFL Cup this midweek, I think, and then the 12th and 13th yeah. there are games, and then they obviously all wow. fly out. So I don't think that, there won't be any pre, there won't be any behind closed doors friendlies. They'll go straight into it, won't they? So the week before the World Cup, there's Premier League action. In all seriousness, though, we're at risk of losing Fuchs, aren't we? Because Cameroon are, uh, are in there. The, in the there fall, are isn't? there are midweek friendlies. For a lot of the teams at the World Cup on the Wednesday and the Thursday. It's not a lot though, is it? It's a few days before they start. Yeah, are we playing since we're playing on the Monday? I guess some of the teams in the lower groups like FGH might be, but we're group B, aren't we? I'm seeing Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Croatia, Germany. It's well, Italy aren't there. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'd rather be European um, champions and not at the World Cup though. Yeah. I know. Um, Spain. Uh, Portugal are playing. There's a lot of teams that are at the World Cup playing midweek. Belgium as well, Cameroon. I don't really understand why we're not playing a midweek international. We're one of the first games, I guess, aren't we? Yeah, we play on on the Monday. Yeah. Two weeks today, we've got the juicy opener of Qatar against Ecuador. So that's. uh, Never talk to me about juicy openers. I love how Kisby's expression there was just like (laughs) how you'd expect with Qatar, Ecuador. Just stayed stayed, just. (laughs) All I'm going to say is everybody said this last time when it was South Africa against Mexico opening the World Cup, and what a phenomenal game that was! Yeah, was that That great? That is the greatest World Cup moment ever. That was one of the best World Cups. South Africa was an immense World Cup, apart from the annoying Ruby Sailors. At the moment, is it like 150 degrees? I mean, it's like 21 degrees here now, isn't it? Sort of thing. So it must be quite warm over there. I think the average temperature is going to be 33. To be honest with you, it should never have been held there. Never should have been held there. And it just shows you what money will do to football because that's why it's there fundamentally. It's money and corruption. Football is the most corrupt sport in the world i would argue by quite a long way it is but we love it 
Thanks for listening to this episode of The Yellow Block. Don't forget to subscribe (laughs) and please leave a review and rate the podcast on Apple and Spotify. It helps us climb the podcast charts. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We've got a few more guest appearances lined up throughout the season, have we? Apparently so. Join us in a fortnight. Up the posh. If Domino's want to give me a free pizza for mentioning them, by the way, that's more than fine. They could do. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.